I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to a new edition of Q&A, our weekly podcast offering from the Hindustan Times. I'm Prashant Jha, the editor of Views of the newspaper. Over the past few weeks, India has come under intense international criticism after the passage of the Citizenship Amendment Act. In August 2019, the government and parliament had also decided to revoke the special status of Jammu and Kashmir. This too had prompted international criticism, particularly in the liberal Western media. This week, I want to discuss the India story and the challenges for the India story in 2020. I want to ask three questions. What were the key elements of the India story? Why is the India story today under strain? And what is needed to revive the India story? To begin with, what is really the India story? I would suggest that there are three key elements of this story. After the reforms of 1991, the economic reforms of 1991, the world woke up to India's economic potential. It noticed India's market. There was greater global integration with the global economy. The private sector boomed. The middle class boomed. More and more people got out of the vicious cycle of poverty. The Indian state got richer. All of it made the world sit up and notice India as a potential economic powerhouse. India's sustained high growth figures and its ability to unleash the entrepreneurial energies of its people helped. The second element of the India story was political. India was not just doing well economically. It was a democracy, a thriving and vibrant democracy at that. It had regular elections. Voters elected their governments, their representatives. It had a free media. It had a vibrant civil society, which kept a check on the executive. It had independent institutions, from the Supreme Court to the Election Commission of India. It also was a secular republic. It was home to a very large section of Muslims who were integrated into the mainstream and who were not radicalized at a time of greater Islamist radicalization across the world. The third element of the India story was strategic. The Cold War had ended. But for the West, a new threat was looming. China and China's emergence had changed the geopolitical landscape. India's own historic tensions with China meant that India's relationship with China was one of cooperation in some fears, but also competition in others. The West saw India as an effective strategic counterfeit to Beijing. It was this mix of the economic, the political and the strategic which made India a global destination. What has changed? Why is the India story today under strain? All these three elements today are not looking as bright 
as they were in the past. The first is economic. India's growth rate dropped to 4.5% in the last quarter. There has been a dip in investment. There has also been a dip in consumption. Several macroeconomic indicators seem to suggest that India is headed for what the former chief economic advisor of the government of India, Arvind Subramanian, calls the great slowdown. This has suddenly made global investors in international capitals wary of India. Were they overestimating India's economic strength? These questions are today being asked. The second element is political. India is and remains a thriving democracy. In the last general elections, over 600 million voters participated and expressed their political views in the polling booths. Narendra Modi was elected legitimately through a democratic mandate. At the same time, there are questions being asked about the nature and quality of Indian democracy. Are Indian institutions as autonomous as they were? Are they coming under pressure from the executive? Is Indian secularism as robust as it was? Are minorities feeling a sense of fear? Many in international capitals are asking these questions as well. The third element is strategic. If India is not doing as well economically, if India is not the bright democracy that it was, can it be an effective counterweight to China? The fact that Delhi walked out of the Regional Economic Comprehensive Partnership, a mega-trading arrangement in Asia, has left several Southeast Asian countries doubtful of India's commitment to economically integrate with the continent. In the United States, India commanded bipartisan support across the Democrat and Republican ranks. Today, we see several Democratic presidential contenders, from Elizabeth Warren to Bernie Sanders, criticizing India's moves on Kashmir and CAA. Several European governments too have raised questions. In the neighborhood, India's best relationship was with Bangladesh. But the passage of the CAA and the potential proposed National Register of Citizens, which the government says has not been discussed yet, has caused great apprehensions in Bangladesh too. We saw several ministers of the Bangladesh government cancel their scheduled visits to India. All of this has put the India story under strain. What can be done? It is time for India to return to first principles in 2020. Economically, the government must single-mindedly pursue the objective of growth. The best foreign policy for India, as commentator Pratap Bhanu Mehta once said, was 7 to 8% economic growth. Let's get our growth back. Let's get consumption back. Let's create employment. Let's invite investors. Let's improve on our rank of doing ease of doing business. All of this will once again make India an attractive economic destination. India needs to get its politics right. It needs to build on its democratic credentials. Those credentials must not get eroded. It needs to show at home and abroad that its electoral system remains robust, its institutions remain autonomous, its minorities are safe, its secularism is intact. And once the politics and the economy is back on track, India needs to once again become the strategic power that it aspires to. It needs to mend its ties with neighbours. It needs to reach out to Asia and deepen its economic links with Southeast Asian countries. It needs to rebuild the bipartisan support that it has in the United States, both in the administration as well as in the Congress. All of this will equip India, make India stronger to take on the rising China. This I believe, is the biggest challenge for India in 2020. 
reviving the Indian story is critical to meeting the aspirations of its billion plus citizens. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Q&A. If you have any issues that engage you, that you're interested in listening to, if you have any questions, please write to us at podcasts at hindustantimes.com. You can also reach out to us at HT Smartcast on our social media accounts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Talk to you next week. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.